Wildwood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, if you would, please take out your Bibles and turn in them in the New Testament to the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter number 15. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under a chair in front of you, and you could grab that Bible and turn in the back part to page 138, and you would be at 1 Corinthians 15. Now, as we begin this morning, I, I want you to put on your imagination caps. I want you to just imagine with me for a moment, if it helps you to close your eyes as you imagine, and then do that. But I want you to imagine that you live on the streets of the inner city, and it's a rough inner city. And I want you to imagine that your family line has been tainted by crime to the fourth and fifth generation back. I want you to imagine that you live in total poverty, that you're hooked on crack, that you have been found guilty of a very serious crime and have received a 20-year sentence. Are you imagining with me? In your imagination, see yourself as having a doomed life without hope and without a future. I also want you to imagine another person, a man, who has everything that you do not have. He's everything you are not. He is refined. He is educated. He comes from an outstanding family. He is a person who has influence at the highest levels. He is a man of untold wealth who is a great philanthropist. And this man, I want you to imagine this now, this man comes to you and he says, I want to serve your 20-year sentence in your place. And not only am I going to do that, I'm going to personally adopt you as a full son, as an heir to all that I have. You will have instant inheritance. And in addition to that, my personal assistant, I'm going to appoint to be your personal assistant. And my personal assistant will help you every hour of every day of your life. He will provide all that you need as you live your life. And he will be with you no matter what happens. He will be with you. Now, if you're imagining all of that, imagine all of that actually comes true. And five years later, maybe seven or eight years later, another individual steps up and they begin to tell the story of what happened to you. And your response as that story is told, on the inside you say to yourself, I know all that. In fact, you're thinking, I really find this a little bit boring to me. I mean, it's part of my past. I'm into the now of my life. I mean, I hope, I hope a similar story happens to some of my friends. But I really am not so sure how I see that being relevant to my life right now. 
Now, if that happened and we were able to eavesdrop on it, we would say, wow, how detached have you become to this incredible story of what this person did for you? Now, here's what I believe. I believe sometimes, as those who have believed in Jesus Christ, there's a parallel to how we respond when we hear the gospel proclaimed, when we hear the story of the cross shared. We wouldn't say it publicly, but on the interior, we're thinking, yeah, it's cool, it's part of my past. It's certainly good for others. I hope other people will embrace it. But I really don't see how relevant it is right now to how I'm living my life today or how I might live my life tomorrow. You know, it was years ago when um, I used to have the opportunity before we went into two services to teach our starting point classes. And in those starting point classes, we have a session on the gospel. We want people to understand where we stand when it comes to the issue of salvation And, of course, we're concerned that people could come into Wildwood and maybe they've never heard the gospel or maybe they've never responded to the gospel. And so we go through the gospel. And I I didn't catch this firsthand. I got this secondhand. But there was an individual who attended that session of starting point and they were somewhat commenting on it afterwards saying, you know what, I found that pretty draggy. I mean, I, I know all that stuff. In fact, they actually admitted they were just a tad bored during the session. Now, if we're going to be honest, all of us have believers at times when the story of the cross or the gospel has been shared, we have to admit that all of us at times maybe have just tuned out just a little bit. You know, we're thinking, okay, this is for the unbelievers. I hope the unbelievers are listening but I'm just going to sort of go into you know, a mental state where I, I'm not going to follow everything the same way as I might. What a strange response that is. You know, the gospel is the greatest news ever announced in the history of the universe. And the cross is the greatest act of sacrificial love in all of human history. And tens of thousands of books have been written about the gospel and the story of the cross. Hundreds of thousands of sermons have been preached on the gospel and the story of the cross. Millions of conversations on the topic of the gospel and the cross have been had over the generations. The gospel and the cross, where would we be without them? We would be under condemnation under a sentence of judgment. Without the gospel and without the story of the cross, we would still be dead in our transgressions, as it says in Ephesians 2.5. We would still be helpless, as it says in Romans 5.6. We would still be without hope, as it says in Ephesians 2.12. We would still be destined to be children of wrath, as it says in Ephesians 2.3. We would still be strangers to the promises of God, as it says in Ephesians 2. Well, you see, I I think it's a very common thing for those of us who know Christ to have this subtle, short circuit in our thinking 
sort of this loss of perspective that moves the gospel and the cross to the spiritual sidelines of our everyday Christian life. Where we think the gospel, the message of the cross, that's really for unbelievers. It's not a message for those who already have believed. Sure, it's part of our spiritual path. But what I want us to see today is that the gospel and the story of the cross has practical value for the believer today, tomorrow, and for every day of the rest of our life. Now again, we're just going to be honest. All of us at times when the gospel has been preached or the gospel has been reviewed, we've shifted into spiritual neutral. Which is be honest, we've done it. But I, I, I really like what D.A. Carson has said. He said this. He said, I fear that the cross, without ever being disowned, is constantly in danger of being dismissed from the central place it must enjoy. So I have titled our message today, Cross-Centered Living. And we're going to see that the gospel message and the story of the cross has a vital role in the life of a believer. And it should have that vital role every day the rest of our life. Now, if you have your Bible open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to very quickly read through the first 10 verses of this chapter. And I want to remind you that Paul is writing to believers. He's writing to those who have embraced by faith the story of the cross and the gospel message. But notice what he, he writes to them. He says, Now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and after that He appeared to more than five hundred at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I but the grace of God with me. Now that is a great story. But I want you to see that Paul drops in here a very significant indicator that the gospel and the story of the cross is more than just a past thing in the Christian's life. 
Look again at the first two verses. He says, I make known to you the gospel which I preached past tense to you, which also you received past tense, in which also you stand. And then he says this in verse 2, by which also you are being saved. Literally, it's a present tense in the original, which points to a continuous action that is being performed in the life of a believer. He's saying this is not just a past event thing. This is at work in your life on a continuous basis right now. And what I want to do in the next few moments together is to just reorient our thinking. And I want to look at the gospel in some detail just for a few moments. So I'm going to mention several things. First of all, the gospel is based on historical events. We see that very clearly laid out. These are historical events that happened in time, space, history. In verse 3, he tells us that Christ died for our sins. That was a historical event that actually happened. That he was buried in verse 4. That he was raised on the third day. And then the historical events continue on. He appeared to Cephas, to Peter, then to the twelve. In verse 6, he appeared again. Verse 7, he appeared again. Verse 8, he appeared again. These are historical events that happen. Secondly, the gospel events resulted in significant achievements. This is just review for us. The gospel events resulted in reconciliation where God became the divine restorer. The relationship was broken between us and Him, and He reconciled us. The events resulted in redemption where God becomes the divine emancipator, where we were enslaved to sin and death, and He frees us from our slavery to sin and death. The gospel events resulted in propitiation where God becomes the divine provider, where God's justice demanded that this penalty be fully legally paid, and through the cross it was. The gospel events resulted in imputation where God becomes the divine bookkeeper, where in an awesome thing to even imagine the very righteousness of God gets credited into my personal account. The riches of Christ become mine. The gospel, number three, brings personal benefits when we believe in the gospel. We experience the peace that, we, that comes with the relationship with Him. We have the peace with God that is given to us. We end up being forgiven, which I say many times is the most wonderful thing in all of the world, to know that you are forgiven. The gospel brings a personal benefit that we are adopted. What an amazing thing that is. It doesn't make any difference what our family is on this planet. We've been adopted into the very family of God. Part of the personal benefit when you believe in the gospel message and the story of the cross is that the Spirit of God takes up 
permanent residence in our life. And he's there as Jesus' personal assistant. And he's always going to be there while you're drawing a breath on this planet. No matter whatever happens, he will be there. Personal benefits are not only peace with God, but we also get to experience in our life the peace of God and the power of God. And the peace of God and the power of God go beyond the circumstances that we face. Sometimes it's even beyond our understanding about how he's at work in our life and what he does. The gospel brings personal benefits. You know, the bottom line basically is that God, when we believe in the story of the cross, fixes what is broken. And you know, people need that good news today. Because the people that you work with, you go to school with, that you live near, can identify with having a world that's broken. They can identify with having a life that is broken. They can identify with having relationships that are broken. And I don't know, maybe you're here today and that's exactly the way that you personally feel. You feel broken. And if that's true, I just want you to know that God, through the message of the gospel and the story of the cross, is able to take that which is crooked and to make it straight. You see, we have some good news that people need. The gospel, number four, is ultimately a story of the glory of God. That a person who's God himself, Jesus, came down and Jesus died and Jesus was raised and Jesus was ascended up into heaven. And in Philippians 2, verses 9 and 11, it tells us this, that God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name that is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's ultimately about Him and His glory and honor. The gospel, number five, is the centerpiece of everyday theology. It is the centerpiece of everyday theology. It is a life, spiritual life permeating truth. And Paul repeatedly in the New Testament emphasizes that. For example, in Galatians 6.14, he says, May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, it's the centerpiece of my everyday theology. Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 15 and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and the last two verses of chapter 1. Basically, what Paul is saying is that the gospel is the centerpiece of my everyday theology. It's the life permeating truth. He says in verse 30, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God 
and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. This is to be the centerpiece of our everyday theology. And then down in in verse 2, he says of chapter 2, for I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. He's saying, he's saying it's the centerpiece of my everyday theology. It's the life-penetrating truth. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, he says this, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead according to my gospel. He's saying you need to make this the centerpiece of your everyday theology. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 14, he says, Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to us. That treasure is the gospel and the story of the cross. Men and women, it's the most valuable treasure we have. The most valuable thing we possess. And that is why cross-centered living is essential in our life. Now, there are practical everyday life lessons embedded into the fabric of the gospel. There are practical everyday life lessons embedded in the story of the cross. The problem is we often miss them. David Pryor said this. He said, we never move on from the cross. As believers, we never move on from the cross only into a more profound understanding of the cross. And so we're talking about the fact that there are practical, everyday life lessons embedded in the fabric of the gospel. They're embedded in the story of the cross. And you might be thinking, well, what are they? And my response is, I'm so glad that you asked. I want to share some of them with you. It's not going to be an extensive list, but I'm going to share some of them with you. A practical everyday life lesson that is embedded in the fabric of the gospel. The first one is this. The gospel, the story of the cross, is the key to an attitude of gratitude in our life. You see, it's the gospel and the story of the cross that's the core motivation of the Christian life. Think back to our opening imaginary story. This man does that for you? What is that going to elicit from you? He takes your sentence. He fully adopts you. You've got a full inheritance. He gives you his personal assistant, a sign to give you all that you need to be with you everywhere you go, you're going to go, my goodness, I'm going to be so thankful and so grateful. 
You know, you, you see this throughout the New Testament, that it's the story of the cross and the gospel is the key to an attitude of gratitude. You know, in the book of Ephesians, it's interesting, you have three chapters, chapter 1, 2, and 3, and all it is is an expansion of the story of the cross, an expansion on the gospel. This is what all God has done. And then you come to the last three chapters, chapter 4, 5, and 6, and it's an expansion on what our gratitude ought to look like, what our life ought to look like. And inside those last three chapters, you'll find chapter 5 and verse 20 where it says this. Part of our response to the story of the cross and the gospel is that we should always be giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is your gratitude in your life waning? You need to go back to the gospel. You need to revisit the story of the cross. There are practical lessons embedded in the fabric of the gospel and the story of the cross. Second one is that embedded inside of the gospel message are reminders for living the Christian life. Reminders for living the Christian life. Think back to the whole story of salvation. It's not a story about my self-power, you know, what I was able to conjure up. It's a story about His supernatural power, that the Son of God came down and, and was a man and died and was buried and was raised magnificently again from the dead. And you see, that's a lesson that I need a reminder of every day in my Christian life, as I, as I seek to live a life to honor Him, it's not a matter of my self-power. It's a matter of His supernatural power being unleashed in my heart. See, think about back to salvation. It was never about self-reliance. I'm just going to rely on myself. Somehow I'll just kind of work up and I'll earn my way, a bit, build some kind of bridge to God. It was never about self-reliance. It's about His sufficiency and it's the same way as we live our Christian life. It's not about self-reliance. It's not, do I have it inside? No. It's about He is fully sufficient for all that He's called me to experience. Think back to salvation. It wasn't about my fleshly assets. It's ultimately all about what He did in His example. It's all about Him seeking to obey the Word of God. It's all about Him, by His example, showing me what it means to rely upon the Spirit of God. I see how He operated by faith. Therefore, I can learn to operate by faith. See, when we go back to salvation, when you go back to the gospel, you go back to the cross, the basic bottom line is it's not about me. It's about Him, who He is and what He did. The same thing is true in our Christian life. It's not about me. It's about Him. What He's doing and what He wants to accomplish in my life. There are practical lessons embedded in the fabric of the gospel and the story of the cross. The third one I want to point out is that the gospel and the story of the cross has ramifications in our relationships. Yes, it has ramifications in our relationships. 
in, in the relationship of our marriage with our spouse, our relationship with our brother, our relationship with our sister, our relationship with our neighbor, our relationship with our coworker. It has ramifications. Remind you what it says in Ephesians 4.32. Paul writes there and he says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ has forgiven you. Taking us back to the gospel and the story of the cross. You see, it has ramifications in our relationships. He forgave me through the cross. For everything I have ever done in all of my life or everything that I ever would do in my life. And that frees me to forgive somebody else. You see, you see the practical ramifications of all of this? There are practical lessons embedded in the fabric of the gospel and the story of the cross. Fourth one I want to mention is that the gospel and the story of the cross is the single greatest antidote to pride. It's the single greatest antidote to pride. I've shared this before, but one of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 4, 7, it's actually a question that's asked inside of that verse. And the question is, what do you have that you did not receive? And that actually is, the answer to that question is nothing. The very fact that I was given the gift of life, that's something that I, I earned. I just received that. God didn't. He just gave the gift of life. The very fact that we're born in a country like this with all kinds of opportunity, that because I was such a smart dude, no, God gave it. What about the ability that we have to work and earn a good living? It's a gift from God. What about all the opportunities that we have in our life on various planes and levels? It's a gift from God. What do you have that you did not receive? Even your ability to think and be intelligent, what, what do you have that you did not receive? Everything comes from his hand. And so the gospel on the cross is the single greatest antidote to pride. No, pride is a significant thing. Let's not underestimate it. You know, pride led to the fall of Satan, which was the greatest angelic creation that God ever made. And if you haven't already figured it out, the most virile personal enemy you will ever wrestle with in your life is pride. If you don't know that already, I've given you a little bit of jump start on that one. The most virile personal enemy we will ever wrestle with is pride. Because most every sin that we ever commit can be tracked right back. To pride. And embedded in the story of the cross and the gospel is this practical everyday lesson. The single greatest antidote to pride. Now here's what's interesting. 
when those who are believers lose sight of the cross, when we allow our focus on the gospel to get clouded, guess what happens? Spiritual disaster. Spiritual disaster. Turn a a couple of books to the right in your Bible to the book of Galatians and chapter number 3. I want to look at a couple of verses here in in chapter 3. Now remember, Paul is writing to believers in Jesus Christ. And these are people who lost sight of the cross. They had allowed the focus on the gospel to get cl- become clouded in their life. And I want you to see the total spiritual disaster that they are experiencing. He says in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. You got your eyes off of the gospel and the cross. He says in verse 2, this is the only thing I want to find out from you guys. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, Are you now being perfected by the flesh? When you lose sight of the cross, you allow the focus on the gospel to become clouded. It leads to spiritual disaster in our spiritual life. You see, men and women, here's something that's so important. When the gospel message is shared, when the story of the cross is being told and related, our ears should perk up. We should lean in because we are being presented with a fresh opportunity to worship Jesus Christ. Cross-centered living. I need it. and You need it. Now, As we've talked about cross-centered living, we want to end by looking at some life response that we can have to this. And it's going to involve this morning a question first and then a challenge. So are you ready? Life response begins with a question, and here's the question. Is your life cross-centered right now? I'm not asking you to answer that audibly, but I am asking you to answer that honestly. Think back over the past number of days. Is your life cross-centered right now? Do you lack joy in your life? Could it be that you've been feeling the weight of some guilt in your life? Maybe you're discouraged. Emotionally, you feel like you're at the end of your rope. Is your life cross-centered right now? What's your focus been recently? Politics? Politics? 
the latest high-tech gadget, your job, the one that you are dating, or the one that you wish you were dating, and all of those things have their place. But is your life cross-centered right now? And if your answer would be not really, that leads us to the challenge which can help us. And the challenge is this, preach the gospel to yourself regularly. Jerry Bridges puts it this way, he says, to preach the gospel to yourself means that you continually face up to your own sinfulness and then flee to Jesus through faith in his shed blood and righteous life. See, men and women, when we preach the gospel to ourselves regularly, we will recognize the weakness of our flesh. When we preach the gospel to ourselves regularly, we will find ourselves very aware of our daily need to rely on His grace and His power. When we preach the gospel to ourselves regularly, we will be reminded that we are forgiven. And excuse my exuberance here, but the biggest problems we ever face in our life, the problems of sin and judgment, have been solved through the cross of Jesus Christ. When we preach the gospel to ourselves regularly, we are reminded that we are adopted. It makes no difference what's going on in our relationships and even in our families here. We have a great future that has been provided for us. When we preach the gospel to ourselves regularly, we remember that his assistant has been sent. He's not just with us, he's inside of us forever until we come face to face with the Savior. You see, when we preach the gospel to ourselves regularly, We lean in, and we realize we have a fresh opportunity to worship Jesus Christ. I'm going to have the worship team come and lead us in a song of worship, but I want to just pray. Father, we just thank you so much for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you for the story of the cross. We would pray that you would help us just to regularly preach the gospel to ourselves, to allow our life to be cross-centered. And then the benefits of that will just flood in to our life. We are amazed at the person of Jesus Christ. What A great opportunity, having looked at all this information today, we have now to lean in and take advantage of a fresh opportunity to worship Him. May we do that from the bottom of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name.